made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. So I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. I've got my mind made up and I I want to see my Jesus someday. So goodbye, world. I say so long to you and goodbye, pleasures of sin. I say so long to you. I've made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. I've made up my God's way the rest of my life. Oh, goodbye, world. Well, now I say so long to you. Goodbye, pleasures of sin. I say so long to you. I've made up my mind. Let's go God's way the rest of my life. I've made up my mind. Let's go God's way. Go God's way the rest of my life. I made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Amen. I'm glad I made up my mind. Let's put it in the key of G. Let's sing that song. I'm in that number. So I'm in that number, I'm in that number, I'm in that number, or open wide, I'm in that
follow the Lord by obeying His word and believe that I'm one of the few. One more time now. Oh yes, I'm one of the few. I'm one of the few, and my faith in God's word I can claim it. And though the way may seem long, though the opposition strong. Hope will not do I must be firmly decided Follow the Lord by obeying His word And believe that I'm one of you And if I plan, and if I plan to go through Just a hope will not do I must be firmly decided to follow the Lord by obeying His word and believe that I'm one of now listen to this oh and oh I want to see Him just look upon His face there to sing forever of His saving grace and on the streets of glory let me lift my voice and cares all fast Oh, my best ever to rejoice. Now as I journey through the land, just singing as I go. Pointing souls to Calvary to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. And but my Lord leads me on, through Him I must win. And oh, I Look upon His face And there to sing forever Of His saving grace And on the streets of glory Let me lift my voice And cares all past Home at last ever to rejoice Now when in service for my Lord Dark may be the night But I'll cling more close to Him Give me light And sage and snares may vex my soul Turn my thoughts aside Oh, but my Lord, He goes ahead And leads whatever be tied And though I want to see Him Look upon His face And there to sing forever Of His saving grace On the streets of glory Let me lift my voice Ever to rejoice. Now, when in valleys low, I look toward the mountain high and behold my Savior there leading in the fight. And with a tender hand, I'll stretch toward the valley low. He's guiding me now, I can see as I onward go. On his face, and there to sing forever of saving grace. And on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. There's all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Now, with the 
rise from the mighty deep. Then the Lord directs my bark, He doth safely keep. And He leads me gently on through this world below. And He's a real friend to me, oh I love Him so. And oh I want to see Him look upon His face. And there to sing forever of His saving grace. And on the streets of glory, just let me lift my voice. And tears all fast, home at last, ever to rejoice. And oh, I want to see Him look upon His face. And there to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, just let me lift my voice. Oh, cares all past, oh, my last ever to rejoice. Now, cares all past, oh, my last ever to rejoice. One more time. And cares all past, oh, my last ever to rejoice. Man, just praise Him this evening. Let's keep it in the same key, but we'll slow it down here. I'll let you catch your breath here. Um, let's sing that song, What a Day That Will Be. I think it's the same key. So what a day that will be When my Jesus I shall see When I look upon His face one who saved me by His grace When He takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land Oh, what a day, glorious day that will be everything he's ever done for us and just praise him for that but I'm also glad that we can come to him today in this moment with any needs that we may have and we do have a few needs this evening and um, if I could uh, just uh, ask uh, Brother Ashdown to come forward and pray over these prayer requests when I'm finished um, just have a prayer request here for Brother Tim Ashong uh, continue to remember him in prayer with uh, his health and his immigration so we just want to remember that 
also want to um, continue to remember Brother Joe Paschal um, for his feet. Uh, he's supposed to have an update on Friday, so uh, we just want to remember him. And uh, just continue to remember uh, my Aunt Karen Buchanan. Uh, she's still uh, not doing well with her health, so we just want to remember her in prayer. Um, also, uh, Sister Amber McCall, my uh, aunt, uh, she has a granddaughter who unfortunately today had to be uh, rushed to the hospital due to a miscarriage. So just uh, remember her and the family in prayer if you would. And um, I also have an unspoken prayer request here from Sister Christie as well. So uh, we just all have many needs and um, just in this day and time, it just seems like they just keep piling up, but our God can, can handle that. So uh, if you would just come at this time. And let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's an honor to be in your house this evening, Father, just to gather with saints of like precious faith. Lord, gather around your word and to hear straight from the throne of God. Lord, these needs that were read, different ones, feet issues, immigration, this one that had a miscarriage. Father God, one thing that's just wonderful about you is you are an on-time God. And you're always able to be there when we need you. And Father, different ones are crying out for you tonight. They have needs. We just ask that you would come on the scene, move in a special way, meet each and every one. And those that may be gathered here tonight that have needs on their heart, hands may have been raised. Lord, I just pray that through the preaching of the word, Lord, that their answers would come, Father, and they would leave this place knowing that they've met you face to face, Lord. And Lord, we just ask you to bless the remainder of this song service. Lord, the minister would come and speak the word to our hearts. Lord, I just ask you to remove the man. Lord, that you would speak directly to our needs. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. We'll put it in the key of C. I sing this song a lot, but I just, I love this song. Um, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that Uh... 
would come forward as we play this softly. We'll go ahead and take up our tithes and offering. Let's just sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Full in His wonderful face. And the
tonight. Um, <clears throat> we welcome all of you. Uh, hold on, brothers, if you don't mind. Uh, we welcome all of you this evening uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good to have uh, Emma back tonight. And uh, all of you, good to have you here with us tonight. <clears throat> A lot happens between services, and so I wanted to just give you this little update before we went to prayer uh, tonight. And um, just so you could mark down these requests, if you are the type who makes a note of those things to pray for. First of all, I'd really like to welcome Stephen and Emily Menard here uh, tonight. Great to have them back uh, with their expanded family. Great to have them with us tonight. That was a real blessing to see that come through from the deacons there. Um, First of all, uh, Sister Laura is not with us tonight. Uh, She has had problems with her back over the last several months. And uh, when they went and did some uh, intensive testing, uh, they found that she had a herniated disc and it had ruptured. Part of the uh, rupture was causing compression on the nerve, which is causing um, problems uh, in her back, just painful uh, doing anything, painful sleeping, painful doing anything. And uh, so she is scheduled for outpatient surgery at the end of the month. We'll let you know as we get a little bit closer. Uh, But if you don't mind remembering her in prayer. Uh, Some of the most basic functions in life are affected. uh, And you're reminded when you have a a back problem. Like getting in and out of a car seat or trying to sleep. Uh, All of those normal functions are interrupted. And so uh, it can be very miserable. So if you don't mind remembering her in prayer, uh, we would appreciate that. Number two, Sister Karen Buchanan uh, was placed in uh, a center for recovery uh, after going to the hospital uh, the day after Christmas, and uh, she has uh, had some real issues. Uh, She's a diabetic and had some other complications as well that uh, caused her condition to deteriorate pretty rapidly. Uh, She is in a... um, a rest home. We'll get the information and the name for you, so uh, you can uh, at least send a card, communicate with her because the center has been ravaged by the new COVID uh, virus, and so uh, they're not letting people in. As far as I know, they're not letting people in to see her. Right? You can wave, basically, and the the woman next to her in the next bed has got COVID. So. Uh, it just makes it difficult all the way around. We know, this, we know the drill. But if you don't mind remembering Sister Karen and uh, that God would give her uh, strength and recovery, we want to have her back. We want to have her back on our feet again, and that's our prayer. Number three, we want to remember Brother Joe Drum. He is uh, was hopefully going to have some news today about the surgery and the progress of that. He said it will probably come on Friday, so... Uh, we will remember him in prayer, if you don't mind. Also, Brother Frank McComas, uh, who's known to most of us, uh, he had a relapse of symptoms. Uh, before Christmas, he had a stent put in his heart. He had a relapse of symptoms. Today, they went in to put two more stents in the major arteries around his heart. And uh, he said, uh, I said, uh, you know, what can we do for him? And he said, the, the only thing you can do is pray that I get some rest. And he said, the only way I get some rest is get out of here. And, uh, but that's Frank. So I've, when he said that, I realized, well, he hasn't changed too much. 
The, the next thing I wanted to mention to you was Brother Joe Drum. And I talked with Sister Frida. And just to give you an update here, Brother Joe struggles with a kind of uh, leukemia that um, affects his bloodstream, obviously. And without going into a lot of details, the infusions they've been giving him, the treatments they've been giving him, uh, attack um, red blood cells. No, I'm sorry, they attack, they alter one of the two cells that you have in your body, white or red, and I don't remember all the details, sorry. But as a result of that, the other, I think it's white blood cells that attack infection, is that right? And his white blood cell count is affected by the infusions as well, which means that he cannot fight infection hardly at all. His ability to, to ward off disease is really minimized because of the treatments that he's taking. So as a result, he has to stay out of the public, period. Uh, Sister Frida has to stay out of the public because she can't carry a disease or a virus or an infection into the household and affect him because he would have little or no resistance. And they're hoping that this is going to be the last round of infusions that he has to have, uh, but it's critical that he stays disease-free. So they've not been here, and it's not been because they don't want to be here. It's because that he has to be super careful. They're not allowed to be around family. They're not allowed to be around anybody uh, at all. Even uh, just doing minor things is a difficulty for them at this particular point in time. And it's just this little season until the infusions stop, and then it, your body kicks back in and begins to produce the right amount of balanced cells in your body. So... Uh, I'm just telling you this because this is the thing they're going through. And they, uh, I stay in contact with them all the time. Uh, Sister Frida still uh, does work here for the church, and we sure do appreciate that. Uh, but that's the reason that they're not here. So they love to hear. Obviously, they have their natural family, but they love to hear from their spiritual family. So just sending them a text or a card or a note or a phone call, uh, sending him something is is a blessing, I, uh, I can assure you. So uh, even though some of these folks now that I've mentioned here tonight are not here, it doesn't mean that they're not here, right? Because they're not here doesn't mean they're not here. Are we okay? So I, I, w- I would ask you just to remember uh, that, that uh, those needs in prayer. Also, too, just before we begin... Uh, next Wednesday night, we're going to have a special guest. It's Brother Sergei Gradazov. And Brother Sergei is one of the uh, key people that is, has been involved uh, in helping the believers in Ukraine. Brother Sergei used to live in Donetsk, Ukraine, where all the, the major fighting has gone on, uh, in the very east of Ukraine. Uh, he's a really wonderful, sound brother. Uh, you remember Brother uh, Sergei Luzanov, who was here, the older gentleman who spoke when Sister April Grant was here. Brother Sergei Luzanov, who was here, that's his son-in-law, Sergei Gradazov. Okay? And so what we're going to do next Wednesday night, I know that's clear. Uh, next uh, Wednesday night, we're going to have him here because he's going to be passing through to visit old friends. Because he used to be in the, ch- he still is in the church in Idaho. Uh, but he's passing through on vacation, and he's, he's coming south, like all normal people do. And we're going to have an interview with him. We're going to interview him about life in Ukraine and how uh, things are at the current moment here. And uh, the war still rages. The winter still rages. All of the problems that they have had are exacerbated because of the winter. 
And uh, I think it'll be nice for us to get a fresh update uh, about Ukraine from Brother Sergei. So we're really looking forward to that, and we're going to uh, change things a little bit for next Wednesday night and, and have that uh, interview, that session with him. Uh, and then we'll be able to open up for questions and answers as well uh, for you to be able to interact with him. So uh, we're looking forward to that. That's next Wednesday night. Let's stand to our feet. Let's play that again, Matt. <clears throat> and let's, let's sing together just as we go to prayer. Those prayer requests are ones that uh, require more than just mentioning their names. And I wanted to explain those to you. But I know that every one of us here, <clears throat> just because we're, we're trapped in these bodies and living in a, uh, a beehive of circumstances... I know we all have requests and we all have different issues on our minds and on our hearts. And they're no less important. So I want you to hold those upon your heart today. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. In his time to sing it to him now close your eyes to sing it to him yes turn turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful will grow strangely in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, all of our eyes are turned to you tonight. We look to you, Lord, as a healer. We look to you as a savior. We look to you, Lord, as a helper in a time of need. You taught us to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. We bind these needs together, Lord. I lay my hands upon these and the ones that Mitchell has already brought. And we present them before you, Lord, because we believe and we trust you. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you are able to resolve any of these problems and complications, Lord, like nobody else can. We believe, Lord, you're more powerful than a doctor. We believe, Lord, you're more powerful than any human counselor. Lord, we believe you have all of the answers that we have need of. And so in the name of Jesus, we commit these to you. And we bind all of these with the requests that are upon the hearts of your people gathered here tonight. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move, Lord, on behalf of these needs. We're going to trust you with all of our heart. We love you, Lord, and we ask now that you'd bless this word. Breathe upon it, I pray, and quicken it, make it live in all of our hearts, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Thank you, musicians. Exodus, the 15th chapter, I'd like to read there uh, tonight. This is the official brochure that's going out for uh, Israel. It's on our website, so you can get all the current information from there. Price is actually lowered, and uh, all the information is there, and if you have any questions, you can certainly let us know. A while ago, I asked you to read the sermon, Satan's Eden, if you haven't read that in a recent while. It would be good for you to take it out and take a look at it. We're going to be dealing with a couple of principles in here. We're going to subtitle this, Waging Spiritual Warfare. In Exodus chapter 15, we'd like to begin reading at verse 1. This is the children of Israel's victory song. As As they successfully came across the Red Sea, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing again unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. Say it together with me. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation, my God, and I will, I will prepare him in habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. In the Hebrew text, chapter 15, verse 3 says simply, the Lord, the warrior. That's what he's referred as, the Lord, the warrior. He is that. Let me start you off, and I don't want to be lengthy here, because I only want to bring you back uh, to where we're thinking about this sermon again, and then we'll... Uh, we'll develop this thought a little bit. This is Brother Branham in 1956, and he's talking about uh, the sermon he had just preached called Earnestly Contending for the Faith. And in that, he's reviewing, as he does, this is the second paragraph, and he's, he said, very often we feel, still feel the pull of the first service, the morning service. And he said uh, this evening here, we are just contending against the wiles of the devil. We are contending, wrestling. We are pushing against the wiles of the devil. How many can relate to that? This is 1956, but the devil didn't go away anywhere. Just because the seals were open and just because you were born on the earth and came into the faith uh, didn't mean that Satan rolled over and played dead. He's still alive. And he says we're contending against the wiles of the devil, against Buddhism, Mohammedism, hundreds of idols and gods of the world, and against the gods of America. Did you know America had multiple gods? The God of Canada. That's what he says. As a Canadian, I'd like to take a little swing at that and say that in Canada, they are one of the most tolerant nations on earth. Tolerant uh, in a way that's not good. Not that they tolerate everyone's point of view because they certainly don't tolerate a Christian point of view. They don't get excited about a Christian message or somebody... Uh, talking about the faith at all. They are very uh, worldly. As a matter of fact, recently they were removed from the list of Christian nations in the United Nations. They have a list. They used to have a list of Christian nations. Canada was removed from that because they so downplayed the Bible and religion, true religion, uh, and so forth. And they opened themselves up and, and created a spirit of tolerance in that country that is absolutely uh, abhorrent, uh, to say the least. Many people ask me, 
They said, would you, wouldn't you rather go back and live in Canada? Because they see those pictures of the mountains and the great plains and the, you know, the pristine coastline and all the rest of it. Wouldn't you rather go back and live in Canada where they have free health care? And I always answer them, first of all, no. And secondly, they don't. They don't have free health care. And many of their idols, Brother Branham says, of worldliness. They have idols. These nations have idols of worldliness. Do you believe that? He said, we're contending that there's one true living God, and he's just as alive tonight as he ever was. We believe that with all of our heart. And we are not here with a fictitious belief. We're not here contending with a fictitious belief. We're not here contending with something that we hope is true. Or emotionally wrapped up in some emotion, psychology, or enthusiasm. As I will tell you folks that if you're only wrapped up in that, you can be unwrapped. I don't want to be wrapped up in anything. I don't want to be cloaked in anything. I don't want to be just covered over with something. I don't want to just have the anointing and the meeting on me. I don't just want to have the camp meeting spirit on me. I want to have the real thing. Because the real thing is the real thing. And that's what I want to have. So we, we, don't want to have, we don't want to have that. We're not here, Brother Bram said, with a fictitious belief. We're not here with a fable. We're not here with, uh, you know, a, a good church. We're not here uh, just because of that. We're not emotionally wrapped up in some emotion, uh, in some psychology or some enthusiasm. We're here in the presence of the living, resurrected Jesus Christ, who stands with us each night, proves himself to be alive and raised from the dead. And here he is with us tonight. He's here with us tonight. I believe that. So what we are talking about is, is winning this battle from the inside out. All right? We're, we, we deal a lot. We talk a lot about the battle of the mind. Uh, Brother Branham focused on this very specifically, and he said that this was uh, the greatest battle that's ever fought. And uh, we, we, we concentrate on, we work on winning this battle from the inside out, not from the outside in. Because if you're trying to do it from the outside in, all you will do is conform uh, to the rules here and get caught up in the emotion and you'll side with the person who helps you disguise things the best. And that's not what we're about at all. We want to have it real, the real thing from the inside out. That's what we want to have. So that our mind works in harmony with God's word and uh, we, are, we are truly uh, citizens of the kingdom uh, before we enter the kingdom. We have, in this life, we have, uh, you know, bef- well, we say it this way, that before, uh, before uh, the, the world was created, we had, uh, we, we had obviously an existence in the mind of God, would you agree? But we didn't have awareness of that existence because we were not living in a body. So we had existence without awareness. When we come into this earth and we encounter that living God because we were in the mind and thoughts of God and the attributes of God, now we not only have existence, well, we have awareness, plus we also have relationship. Think about it. Before the world began, we only had existence in the mind of God. Now we have existence, we have awareness, and we know who God is, but we also have a relationship with him. You can't get it any better than that, and that's what you need to have. So it's not just existence and awareness, because a lot of people in the world believe that God is. And as I said on Sunday morning, uh, a lot of people believe that God exists. I mean, you look at your human body, and you have to agree there's a higher power somewhere. Right? 
you, you have to, you have to, I mean, just the very fact that every single person's fingerprint and eye scan and retina, retina scan or voice graph, every single person is unique. There's not two people in the world that are in any way identical when it comes to those features at all. You have to kind of stand back and say, wow, somebody specifically designed me. Somebody designed you. We are, uh, we are individually, uniquely and fearfully, wonderfully made, right? And, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people can stand back. I mean, a guy like, so for instance, like a scientist like Einstein could agree that uh, at the end of the day, you know, there are answers that are unexplainable. There are, uh, there are uh, you know, premises that are unexplainable, really. There, our existence has to be by something higher than us, greater than us. Even the definition of the word infinite speaks of something greater and more eternal than us. And so this battle for the mind rages. And I want to just talk a little bit about that tonight. Here's a brother who's speaking about Brother Branham. He's introducing Brother Branham for this, uh, this uh, sermon called Experiences, which is a great sermon, but it's way back there in December of 1947. And this brother, I don't know who he is, but he's introducing Brother Branham, and he says this about him. He says, of hundreds and hundreds of preachers of different faiths and our own faith, I've never met a man manifesting the humility from day to day that Brother Branham manifests. The weight of this is crushing the very life out of him. And you don't realize what it means to fight the powers of darkness. And all the powers of the enemy are turned loose against him. I mean, people who knew Brother Branham said this about him, that he was just, just always a nice man. He was a gentleman. And number two, you never really knew who his enemies were. And I think, my, those are two great attributes. Uh, people never, never could figure out by his conversation who his enemies were. And he was always a nice person. I was listening to him today. He was speaking about being at a meeting. And <laughs> this is uh, kind of funny, really. But he said that uh, he was at a great auditorium, like a conference center at some city. And he said, all these people were in front of me. And, and or there was another service, actually, that was being conducted before his meeting started. And he says, the minister was so polite and said all these words correctly. And everybody was sitting erect in the, in the chairs and... Uh, he said they dedicated a few babies and they announced the upcoming, uh, you know, bake uh, supper, bake supper, what do you call it, uh, event that was coming. And he said then he had a nice little short sermon that everybody could endure. And then they sang a couple of songs and got up and he said they dismissed and went out. And he said they were finely dressed, you know, smart looking people, the wealthy of the city. And Brother, <laughs> Brother Ram describes those people that way, very carefully describes them. And he says, but before my meeting began, he said, I went up to the door where the minister came out. And he said, I wanted to shake his hand and just say, God bless you, pilgrim. He says, we're fellow workers in the kingdom. I thought, what a nice person he was. And then he said, but then he went on with the story and he said, then I looked around at my people coming in. He said, the off-scouring people in wheelchairs and uh, carried in the stretchers and uh, the lame, the halt, the insane. He said there was people in straitjackets there. And I thought, wow. Either way, (laughs) that doesn't mean that the people who follow this message are all in straitjackets or anything. It just... It's just, I, I thought how nice he was to meet that brother, you know, by the door and wish him all the best and, and uh, you know, just thank him for the service that he had just, uh, just held. But here's this brother saying that, 
You know, Brother Bram's such a humble brother. And he says, you perhaps only have a small portion against you, a small portion of this spiritual warfare. And remember, the reason that Jesus suffered so on the cross was not because of his own sins, but because the powers of hell were determined to crush him. So if you have anything special from God, the powers of darkness are going to do the best to crush you. Look at that. If you have anything special from God, there is a, there is a consequence to the blessing of God. I've talked on that. I've spoken on that before. There's a, there's a consequence to the, uh, to the blessing that God gives in our lives very often. And if you have anything special from God, when you manifest the gift and the character of God, he says the powers of darkness are going to do the best to crush you. Crush you. And I would, I would say this, especially now. Because now the, the increase of faith matters every service. We should come out of services saying, I feel a little stronger. I feel a little better. I feel a little bit more confident. I feel I can trust God more now than I, uh, than I ever have before. And, and we should be exposing the enemy and not, listen, not struggling to protect people from the sword of Hebrews 4.12. The sword of Hebrews 4.12 is that sword which cuts right down to the joint and the marrow, right? All right. right. Everybody understand where Hebrews is. Not in Israel. And Paul says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts all the way down. Right down to the joint and the marrow. Which is, I mean, you can't go any farther than joint and marrow, right? You can't go any farther than the bone and inside the bone. And, and, and Paul is simply writing to us, and very, very simply here, that uh, the Word of God is capable of knowing the very innermost thoughts that you have, the very innermost struggles that you have. He's able to uncover that, and he's able to deal with that. He's not, he's not uncovering it always to embarrass you or to disqualify you, but rather he is trying to help us in every way. And sometimes you've got to go right to the very marrow of the problem in order to really come to the right solution to that problem. And that's what the Word of God does. We should not, I should not, even though I can, be, I can honestly tell you I've been guilty of protecting people from this sword of Hebrews 4.12 in the past. When God begins to deal with somebody or a family, sometimes we'll rush in and say, well, you know, it's not that bad. And you know, I've, I've seen in other churches and I heard a brother say this. You know what? The, the sword of Hebrews 4.12 has a purpose. And every one of us have to reckon with that. And, and there are times when God wants to correct us. And there's times when God wants to deal with us. And you know what? If it's God dealing with you and God correcting you, you're going to come out a better person, even though that process can be sometimes difficult. You're going to come out a better person. Your, your, sometimes your main chore in all of that is not to give up. Just hang on. Just believe that God's got a purpose because the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. We feel humanly like quitting, giving up, thrown in the towel many times, many times in our experience. Brother Branham felt it. Men of the Bible felt it. Women of the Bible felt it. Women of today feel it. Men of today feel it. Young people feel it because of the pressures that we are facing today in the world around us. And that's what this service is about. And in subsequent services here, let me tell you, uh, in the beginning of the Bible, God was the, uh, he was the captain of what happened in Eden. In the end time, Satan is the captain of what happens in Eden. God ultimately has control, but, but Satan, it, it's referred to as Satan's Eden for a reason, right? In other words, there's not really going to be much good happening in Eden for us, 
We're going to have to look elsewhere for pleasure. We're going to have to look elsewhere uh, for the satisfaction in this world. Now, part of the, part of the tactic that Satan uses, uh, obviously, in our minds is to provide misinformation or to get you interpreting things wrongly or to get you to not apply what it is that God is revealing to us to yourself. It's easy to re- apply uh, promises of strength and overcoming to someone else. You can look at me and say, oh, wow, Brother Barry seems to be on top of his game. Or Brother Brandon was so, uh, so confident and he had so much victory. Or I look at this brother or this family over here. They always seem to be dressed and they're color coordinated and they, they just seem to have it all together. And then look at me and I just feel like a failure all the time. I look at my children and I feel like a failure all the time. Don't worry, I did too. But I will tell you this. No, I didn't really. Some of the time, but not all the time. I will tell you this. Satan is, is, is working overtime to try to get us to misinterpret his word. So we'll be believing the wrong thing about the right thing. Okay? I've given you this example before. And I'll give it to you again because I just like it so much. This is the Pentagon. An overhead shot of the Pentagon. You remember seeing this image before? There was a well-known Christian author who stayed at our house years ago. And uh, when she was there, she was telling us a story that she was in Poland and uh, she somehow or another was with some Polish families, and they were related to the military. And back then, the military had connections with, uh, with the Russian military, and the, the story always was, the story was told, and lots of people in high-ranking offices believed that in the center of the Pentagon was a missile, a missile silo right in the middle of the Pentagon, which in a sense makes sense because... Why wouldn't you have a missile silo in the middle of the Pentagon to protect it? So if there needed to be a blast, you know, the Pentagon could be the first strike uh, location or, you know, the, the, the first launch location. And I mean, that makes sense. And when you look at the satellite images, by golly, that looks like a missile parked in the middle of the Pentagon. So they, they had a lot of their weaponry pointed at the Pentagon to prevent this nuclear weapon from blasting off. And when this author was telling us, she said that when she was at our house and she said, uh, but lo and behold, uh, she was talking to this family in Poland and they said, uh, where again now is this missile? And they said, right in the middle of the Pentagon, right in that center green area, that promenade in the middle of the Pentagon. And they said, well, we just happened to visit the Pentagon and there's no missile there. And I said, oh, yes, there is. Look at the pictures. Look at this. No, they said, that's a coffee kiosk. And that's one of those multi-layered umbrellas that's in the, over the coffee cart. And we go there every morning to buy our coffee. They knew somebody who worked in the Pentagon. They said every morning we'd all gather out there to buy coffee. And that's what that is. It's an umbrella. It's not a missile silo at all. All of you were thinking it was a missile silo because I was telling you that story. Except those of you that remember me telling you the story before. But I will tell you this, that if you didn't know the truth on the story, you'd be pointing your defenses, you'd be arranging your defenses against something that didn't matter. Satan is always trying to get you to disbelieve the things that are true. He's trying to get you to misinterpret the things that you need to interpret correctly. That's what he does. Now, when we go back and we look in the Garden of Eden, and and this was in the mind of God, this is an expression of the mind of God, uh, he, he created this place and he put a man in it after his own image there. 
and uh, he had dominion. As you can read, I don't need to go through all of the words of Scripture, but he was given the dominion over excuse me, the world around him. And he created man in his own image and the image of man created him. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Make much, make more, make plenty. That's the Hebrew phrase there. And subdue this world and have control over it. In other words, this world, this cosmos is not going to control you. We want you to control it. It doesn't matter what it says. It matters what you say, Adam. And God was saying this to Adam, that you're given power, you're given authority over this world, and to have dominion over everything, not only on the dry land, but in the seas as well. Your word will count. Your word will be the final say. And that's the dominion that God gave over that world. My goodness, what a, what a wonderful thing it is when uh, a believer is not intimidated by the world around them, but rather he has a control and he has a confidence that his word's going to be backed up, and whatever he says, God's going to honor that. Do I have any believers here that feel that way? We should, we should approach the world that way that, uh, you know, my, my, I might live smack in the middle of Sodom, but you know what? Sodom doesn't live smack in the middle of my house. And, and we're going to, we're going to uh, overcome all of that. And this is what Adam had in the beginning. He was given that by God. He didn't have to do anything to get it. God gave it to him because he was his son. And God created him in his image to have dominion. And Adam was a reflection of God after all. He was a a reflection of the very creator that created him because he was made in the image of God. Okay? Everybody all right? But right away, you don't need to wait until, uh, you know, 4,000, 6,000 years later uh, to see problems arise. Right after the flood, it says, Cush begat Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one in the earth, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Uh, this, these words here uh, in the original language, again, of the Bible are not nice words. It was not that he was a good hunter, you know, like uh, camo and horns. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was a destroyer, is, is really what the image portrays. Uh, Nimrod was willing to kill anyone who got in his way. Nimrod was an ambitious person, and he was ambitious to the point of violence. And so the flood never took this out of uh, Nimrod or the descendants of Ham. And it says that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was this here in the land of Shinar. Now, Brother Bram comments on this. Just hang with me uh, a moment. He comments on this in a church age book and says that Babel is the original name For Babylon, and it means confusion. So that was the name of it, and he he created obviously this Tower of Babel, and it was uh, designed to be a safeguard against future floods. And this was his flood insurance that he wanted to have so that uh, he would never have to suffer the vengeance of an angry God again. That's the way he looked at it. So no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to control my destiny now. That was his attitude. And here's what Brother Branham says about him. It was literally started by Cush, the son of Ham, but was brought to a kingdom of power and grandeur under his son, Nimrod, the mighty hunter. So Nimrod built on the platform that his father had laid. And he said, according to Genesis 11, uh, according to the profane history, set out to accomplish three things. This was the three purposes that Nimrod had in his mind. That he wanted to build a strong nation and, of course, be the leader of that nation. And he wanted to propagate his own religion. And thirdly, he wanted to make a name for himself, which he accomplished. So those are the three things that, uh, that, that Nimrod attempted to do. 
So this was not in the listing here, uh, and Brother Bram's taken this from history and from the commentaries and so forth. This is not about being saved from, uh, from the judgment of rain again. Because, you know, even a simple reading of the scriptures, or if you remember what your grandfather said, God said he'd never destroy the earth again this way anyway. Duh. So why are we investing in a building that's going to save us from rain when God promised he wasn't going to destroy the earth with rain? Right? So Nimrod not only was a great hunter, he was a violent man, he was also a liar. Because he, he, he convinced those people, hey, why don't you get involved and, and build a building? Why don't you get involved and uh, come to the fellowship hall and stack chairs? Because uh, you know what? If it ever rains again, we're going to have a place to go. We're not going to be left out in the rain, pardon the pun, uh, again. And that was not the purpose at all. He wanted to create a religion. He wanted to create a strong nation. And he wanted to uh, make a name for himself. Those are the three goals, really, that Nimrod had. Remember, you can't fool God or hide things from God. But you know what? We find that spirit didn't stop there. That spirit carried all the way over. And Paul writes to us in 2 Thessalonians. He said, now, we beseech your brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our soon gathering unto him. And whenever this occurs, whenever this cycle kicks in, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or trouble uh, by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. So whenever this cycle of the end completes itself, watch, watch. Here's the word shaken. Paul says that ye be not soon shaken in your mind. In other words, overthrown or cast down from one secure and happy state. There are a lot of times, and admittedly, all of us, we would, if we could, hold on to a, a, a secure and happy state. Matter of fact, we work hard to create a secure state, right? We want to stabilize things for our family. We want to have things normal. We want to have things predictable. Come on, somebody say amen. I mean, that's, that's human nature. We want to have it that way. Yeah, <clears throat> and Paul says that when you, when you try to do that and something happens that shakes you from that, uh, you know what? People's world is thrown upside down. They can't, they can't understand it and they can't control it. And there are some people, when they, when they lose that control, it becomes very fearful, and they're going to scramble to do what they can to take control, and they'll back away. Very often, they'll back away. Why do you think Montana is filled with preppers? Why do you think Montana is filled with preppers? Number one, it's a friendly environment for preppers. Number two, it's a lot of land to dig holes in. And number three, those people want to have control without somebody telling them what to do. Right? They're, they're, they're bunkered down. They're hunkered down. They're hunkered in the bunker uh, because they, they want to have control over what happens to them. We have enough weaponry that we're going to shoot anybody who advances. We've got enough medicine to cure anything that comes our way, blah, blah, blah. And they don't, want to, they don't want to be shaken by the government. They don't want to be shaken by some catastrophe. They don't want to be shaken by adverse circumstances that are going to pop up. They want to have that control. There's a lot of people who don't like to be shaken, and there's some people taking real concrete steps not to be shaken. Paul is simply saying this. I'm just giving you the definition. Paul is simply saying this, that when that time comes, there will be things that will shake a lot of people. And you better have in you something that can't be shaken. Because it's not enthusiasm, it's not psychology, it's not emotion that you get from a meeting where you go, ah, and then come down again. You better not have that. You better have something that looks more like this. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Forgive me if you're getting that impression that, you know, we have a, a glorious service or you go to a glorious service. Nothing in the world wrong with that and receiving the blessing of the Lord. But you know what? I'm not basing my salvation on the feeling I had anywhere. I'm not basing my salvation on the feeling I have. And I don't need to go to another camp to get the feeling to convince myself I'm in. And then another camp. And if I don't go to camps, then maybe I'm not in. Hey, you know what? Your salvation is not based on camps. It's not. And I'm not against camps. Do I have to keep backtracking this? <clears throat> All I'm saying is this. In the last day, this is going to become an issue. It's going to become, like we say today, this is a real thing. Like I told Joel. Joe never knew that musicians gathered in the office to pray before service. And I thought to myself, wow, he must be really spiritual. He must be super spiritual. He doesn't need to pray. He's gifted, talented, young, charismatic, rich, suave, handsome. I know all of those things. But, so I told him, I said, hey, musicians come in and pray. He says, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's the modern way of saying it. And I said, Joe, it's a thing. It's a real thing. This is what Paul is saying. This is going to be a real thing in the last day. He said there are going to be a lot of people who will be troubled. We really don't need to explain that because there's a lot of troubling things that exist in our world. Neither by spirit nor by word or whatever else. He said let no man deceive you in that day. Deception will abound. Troubles will abound. Trials will abound. And he says there will be somebody there, verse 4, who will exalt, he will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship. That's the same thing we found in, in Nimrod, right? It's exactly the same thing. He wants to establish his own religion. He wants to establish a nation. He wants to be on the top of the pile. Absolutely. All right, let's bring it down to personal levels, though. This is the conversation that Job, uh, sorry, uh, God and Job have, God and Satan have about Job. This is the conversation that God and Satan have about Job. And Satan says, well, no wonder he loves you. He says, you've got a hedge around about him on every side. He said, you have him covered up and protected here. And he says, hey, take the covering off and watch. He'll curse you to your face. I think that a lot of times, and this is another discussion, but I think a lot of times we don't realize, and if you grew up in the message, you less realize how protected we are just being under the token. Living in a home that the tokens apply. Living in, a, in an environment. Having, uh, you know, the understanding that we have and having the, uh, the associations that we have. Uh, we, are, we are, truly are a blessed people. And you find that out most definitely when you get outside, get out from underneath that token. You know, there's, there's sometimes young people say, well, I don't need my parents. I don't need to live in my parents' house. You better think carefully about that. You better think carefully about that. Because when you leave, you should leave in the right way, on the right terms, under the right circumstances, because you don't want to be exposed to what you're protected from now. God has purposely protected you from a lot of things. And you can, you can expose yourself to things that you never, you had no idea were out there. And so you want to leave in the right way, in the right terms, in the right circumstances and so forth. You want to make sure that when you go, you take the blessing of God with you. That's for sure. Because you can wind up in a place that's not very nice. So this is, what, uh, this is what God says about Job, and, and he says, hey, listen, my, Job will hold fast. And so this battle then 
uh, this battle rages now even more than when you were in the world because when we were in the world, we walked according to the course of this world. So wherever the stream was flowing, we got in that stream and we followed it. That's the way we were. I did uh, when I was in the world. I'm talking about not the religious world, but the world, the small W. Uh, the dirty world out there. And, I, you know, we get in the, in, the, in the flow, we get in the river, we take the widest part, path of least resistance, and off we go. We're not going against the river. We're flowing with the river. It's easy to do that because all you need to find out is what everybody else is doing or what your little mind wants to do. And your little mind will wander all over the place according to the course of this world. And that spirit, Paul says, still works. And the spirit works in the children of disobedience among also among whom we, we all had our conversation. We all lived that way before God got a hold of us. And he says we were, bottom line, by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so therefore, like Joan of Arc said, all battles are first won or lost in the mind. They're won in the mind. And so therefore, we had to be very careful that we, uh, we, we are sober and vigilant because we have an adversary. How many agree we have an adversary? Your adversary is parked right in the middle of Satan's Eden. It's not like, it's not like you've got to go find him. You're living in his backyard. You're living on his territory, folks. You go to school in his territory. You work in his territory. You are, you are surrounded by Satan's Eden. And there ain't nobody, nowhere in this world that you can go that you're not in Satan's Eden. I've been there. You, you, you can't, you're, you're not going to escape it because that's the world we live in. And so where Satan's going to attack first is always going to be in the mind between your two ears. That's where he's going to attack first. That's where he's going to tempt you first. And I will tell you, your environment or your atmosphere really makes a difference about uh, how strong that temptation, those temptations really are. And being in here, we often have less temptations than we do when we're out there in the world. But temptations are, they're a real thing, like Joe says. Now, watch what Brother Bam said. I love this. He said, now, I'm not going to be long. Watch. He said, see, it's your mind that opens up the door or closes the door and listens to your conscience, listens to your memory, affection, reason, and so forth. When your mind closes itself off to those things and let God, the Spirit of His Word, come in, it blows the rest of the stuff out. Every doubt, every fear, every sensation of doubt. Wow. If you open your mind to Satan, obviously... He's going to roll in. If you open your mind to God, he's going to come in. You, you had to be careful who you open your mind to. And, and Brother Manum said that he comes in through that, uh, through that channel of the senses. So the bodily senses and then also the mental or emotional senses that we have. There's nothing standing there but the word of God and Satan cannot battle against that. When you let God in and Satan comes in to, to, to cause you trouble, he said, Satan cannot battle that. You know what? He's already, he's already fought that fight and he lost the battle. And he's got the scars to prove it. So he's going to be reluctant to attack you if Christ is central in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't hear anything else on a Wednesday night, hear this. That Satan's going to be reluctant to give you a, a full onslaught if he, if he looks through the door that you open and uh, Christ is the center of your life. He's going to be reluctant to enter into that and battle fa- head, you know, face to face because, because he's already lost that battle. He went head to head with Jesus and lost the battle. As a matter of fact, if I understand the Bible right, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. 
He lost the keys of death, hell, and the grave. How many can say amen? So he's been wandering for the last 2,000 years and he doesn't even have access to his own house. He's still wearing the same socks he wore when he attacked Jesus. And let me tell you something. If you open your heart to him, you open your mind to him, he needs a resting place. And Brother Bam said these battles have raised since the Garden of Eden. The battle in the human mind. And Satan started it. And what he did, what did he do when he met Eve? He, he didn't deny God's word, but he whitewashed it. He took it and just changed it a little bit. <clears throat> but I will tell you something. It's human nature. It's human nature to have thoughts arise. I, this is what Jesus said to his disciples after he was dead, buried, resurrected, came back and appeared to his disciples. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And then he said unto them, why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Well, naturally, if you were there, you would have thoughts too. But this is what he meant. Why would you have questioning about what is true? That word there uh, in the Greek, it means why are you questioning what is true? You're hesitating, you're doubting, you're arguing with yourself. Anybody here ever argue with yourself? He said you're arguing with yourself about what's true. And that's why, hear me, that's why Jesus said, search the scripture. That's why Brother Manum always said, go back to the word. Because you don't need to argue with yourself. Go back and if you can find it in the word of God, you know what? You're safe. You don't need to argue anymore. That's really simple. But you know what? Whenever something happens out of the ordinary, whenever something happens that shocks us, whenever something happens that we didn't count on, whenever something happens that apart from the normal, all of a sudden we have thoughts. Why did that happen? Why me? Why now? Why did I lose my job? Why did this happen? Why did this person leave the church? Why did, why did such, such and such happen here? Uh, you know, why did, I, uh, why did I go through this? Why is my family suffering this? And sometimes, you know, we're, thinking, we're, we're shaking. Because we were on a lofty, safe pedestal, and all of a sudden now we're in a free fall. And Jesus says, hey, I, I, I got to admit, this is pretty extraordinary. Because now many people can walk through walls like that. But here I am. And I'm doing all this to prove to you personally, individually, that I'm alive. <clears throat> but he says, I can tell what's going on in your minds. In your minds, you're actually debating about what's true. Could this be true? Could this be true? In other words, doubting Thomas was not the only one who was doubting. Don't be hard on doubting Thomas. History tells us that Thomas went on to India and became a real man of faith. Had constant miracles attend his ministry. Fearlessly stood against the gods of India and won victory after victory for God. As a matter of fact, there was a time when history says that he was standing in the river baptizing people and all kinds of others questioned him. And he said, tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll take a bucket of water, dip it in the river, throw the water up in the air and the water will stay. And he did. Somebody handed him a bucket and he took the bucket of water and threw it up in the air and it stayed. It's not still there, but it stayed long enough for the people to say, whoa. Thomas was not the only one who was doubting in the room that day because Jesus is knowing their hearts and he says, why do, 
thoughts arise in your heart. Let's be honest. When things happen, and things happen in your household, and things happen sometimes to the church you consider beloved, sometimes things happen to people you call beloved. You're thinking about, wow, is this true? Sometimes even well-known people can leave the message and walk away, and then you're, you're hesitating just a moment. Sometimes. I'm just saying, in the human part of us. Now remember, Brother Branham went through the same thing. Don't get all righteous on me here. Brother Branham had the same thing. You remember when his wife and daughter died? And Brother Branham said, I was ready to give in. And he said, but something down deep on the inside said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So don't get all self-righteous on me here. We all go through this questioning cycle. But a believer, hey listen, his life is not his own. You, you, we ought to sing that. My life is not my own. I belong to him, right? So watch now what Brother Branham says. <clears throat> now, if Russia ever comes to the United States, which is one of the leading nations of the Western world, they wouldn't want to blow it up. They could do it if they wanted to right now, or we could blow that up. But they'll never do it because that would destroy everything. They want the wealth of the nation. So therefore, they'll try to put them to sleep. Watch now. And one thing, I do not think the war will be a missile warfare. But I think it will be a spiritual warfare that will come in and just take the nation over and put them to sleep. Did you hear what he just said? It will be a spiritual warfare he said, they'll come in and just take the nation over and put them to sleep till they get in and get a hold. Why do we have less and less people going to churches anymore? Why do we have less and less people, young people who are, can identify themselves as Christians or in churches anymore? Why do we have more, an increasing number of nuns in our country? And an increasing number of nuns in the world. Nuns are not the, the holy habit sisters Nuns are the people who have no, absolutely no, zero connection with God, the Bible, or the church. Right? They're nuns. They have, we have none. They have no f- affiliation with that at all. Why is that, why is that increasing? Why are, there, why are there more and more people who are uh, that way? You know what? Because this spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's, it's a real thing. And we've never, by God's grace, we've never been struck by a, a missile Yet, we've never been struck by an atomic warhead yet. But you know what? Whether you realize it or not, there's a war on. Hello? And, and Satan's, Satan's pretty slick because he moved his headquarters here instead of in Paris. He moved it here. And life's never been the same ever since he moved it here because television changed, media changed, and all the things that came off that tree of the knowledge of good in social media it all changed after Satan moved his headquarters here. Are you following me tonight? Nothing's ever been the same. And just think about how that Satan would actually work in this spiritual warfare, not a natural warfare, but the spiritual warfare to affect the people and put them to sleep thinking, I don't need to be on guard. I don't need to be cautious. I don't need to be prayerful. Come on. I don't need to be uh, attended. I don't need to be zealous about God. I don't need to be zealous about church. I don't need to be zealous about examining myself and, and asking God forgiveness of things. You know what? We're okay. Because there's no missiles striking the country. 
We're okay because I got a paycheck. We're okay because they're raising the minimum wage everywhere. We're okay because uh, we have food on our table and we got enough cars in the house. And a lot of people feel like, you know what, we must be okay because, bless God, we're in America and everything's okay in the good old USA. And here's a prophet warning us in 1961 that you have to understand first how Satan fights to even realize that you're in a battle. There's a lot of people lulled to sleep through complacency. There's a lot of people lulled to sleep through lukewarmness. That's what, the, that's what the description of the age would be, that people would be lulled to sleep. And let me tell you this. This is not and should never be a social gospel. It should never be a social gospel. It should never be a means of creating social connections and using it as a social platform in one way or another to be seen in this church, to to attend every function. Let me tell you, every function and every gathering, every one of them are not always edifying. And you parents need to be conscious of that and you parents need to be proactive in that. That just because there's something going on, we all got to be there. No, we don't. Because we kind of need to look at what it is that's going on or why this event is on here. Because what Satan is really trying to do is keep everybody so, uh, in, in many ways, Satan is trying to keep everybody so uh, happy and so uh, distracted and, and happy in a distracted way and, and keep everybody uh, moving that a lot of times we don't stop and really evaluate the things that we should stop and evaluate. This is, this is a warfare, but it's a spiritual warfare. So therefore, Satan is good at this, and he attacks through these senses here. He knows the gateways. He knows what attracts you. What attracts you might not attract me, but he understands and knows the way in. And the Bible says that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So in other words, this is like what Brother Bram said, we're not, we're not having a missile defense system, but the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds that Satan has built. So that's exactly what's taking place. Brother Branham said, if one little iota of God's word was disbelieved, he said it caused all this trouble, how are we going to get back disbelieving the word? So we have to come back to that every time. We have to come back to that every time. That's simple, but that's my theme. And he said, you can't do it. He said, you've got to shut off all these other things like conscience, memory, reason, affection, and all those other things. You've got to shut those off. You've got to say, this is not, I'm not expecting God uh, to reach through that. I'm not looking to God to reach me through that. I'm not looking to God to reach me through feelings. I'm not, listen, I'm not looking to God to reach me through noise. I'm looking to God to reach me through the word to the inner man. That's greater than these other two realms I just showed you here. And that's what he's saying. That's, we don't want to open those up, but we want to, we want to uh, have God communicate with us with that way. He said, we just accept the word on the basis of God said so. We accept the word on the basis of God said so. And sets a stream between you and God. I know a brother, a very well-known brother, very well-known minister, and he had children who did not believe. 
And they constantly were picking at him saying, uh, but there's a discrepancy here and there's a discrepancy in the message here and there's something that's not true over here and something that's not true over here. And this, this minister who I, I knew, he would just say to his children, he'd say all the time, you know what? I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying. But you know what? Brother Manum had the vindication. I know what you're saying. But you know what? That message lines up with the Bible. It's absolutely true. So in other words, if you keep looking, you will find flaws. You will find things that don't always add up, right? You will find things that, uh, you know, don't always make common sense. You'll find those things. If you look deep enough and hard enough in the Bible or in the message, you'll find things that, uh, that are, you know, seemingly contrary to logic. I'll give you one, just so you're not wondering what I'm talking about. You remember how Jacob, being a prophet, how many believe Jacob was a prophet? Oh, let me, let me say it again. How many of you believe Jacob was a prophet? He sure was. And here's Joseph, supposedly killed, gone into Egypt, very much alive. And he doesn't have any idea at all that he's still alive. Prophets don't know everything. Right? Prophets only know what God shows them. It took a prophet for us to understand that. But you would think, all right, if he's a prophet, he knows everything. No, really, only God knows everything. Right? And, and he said to his sons, he said, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. Intellectually, I hear what you're saying. But Brother Branham was still vindicated by God. Remember what vindication is? It's God removing any doubt that this is a message that comes from God. And when you can come up with a greater vindication, I'll listen to that. But the vindication is real. It's a real thing. And so therefore, Brother Branham said, we accept the word on the basis of God said so. That's how, that's how we proceed. That's how we believe is that God said so. We're going to step out and cross over the Red Sea. And we're going to do it because God said so. We're going to march around the city seven times to blow our trumpets. Why? Because God said so. Abraham, you put your house up for sale. Why? Because God said so. We're, you know, we're, we're, going, to, uh, like we're going to follow Gideon and we're going to have a, a candle in the jug and blow a trumpet. Why? Because God said so. Doesn't make sense. But because God said so, that's the basis upon which we believe things. It doesn't always have to compute. It doesn't always have to make a lot of sense to you. It doesn't always have to be something you can explain. But by faith, we know if God said so, somehow or another, some way or another, whenever we step into that, God's going to make that come to pass. And that's the thing that we need to believe. That's the thing that we need to trust in. Is not our ability to figure it out. We need to make sure that we believe that God said so. And if God said so, it takes the fear right out of it. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop there. Let me finish reading this just a little bit while you're standing there. And Brother Ma'am said, when you say God said so, that sets a stream between you and God. There's a river that flows between you and God. There's a, a resource, there's a pipeline that comes open between you and God. And every channel comes open between you and God. There's the battle, there's the front line. Every channel comes open. Wow, every channel. That means I got a sick child. That channel is open to you. You can lay hands on that child in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, don't, you, may, you might be a Thursday night, you're not a church, you don't have the pastor handy. You can lay hands on them yourself. You know why? Because the channel's open. You have, a, you have a problem or, uh, you know, you have a situation in your house. Hey, you can approach that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because you have a channel that's open to you because you have a belief that's based on God said so and that opens the channel. That's the key that opens the channel. That's the valve that opens the channel and things flow to you. 
He's saying, Brother Barry, I'm, I'm single and I can't wait. Oh, let me tell you, there's a channel that sends strength down that line. And it sounds like this. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And God lets that flow down the pipeline, strikes a young man's heart, strikes a young lady's heart. And they say, Lord, I trust you for the answer. I trust you for that person up the road. I'm just going to try to become Mr. Perfect before that happens. I'm not going to try to search the world for Mrs. Perfect. I'm going to try to become Mr. Perfect. And then when you bring Mrs. Perfect along, (laughs) it'll be perfect. But there's a channel for that, folks. It's not you. It's not me. It's not coming to hear my sermon. It's, it's a channel that opens from God. What opens the channel? The valve that opens it is constituted by three words. God said so. God said so. That sets a stream between you and God. And every channel comes open between you and God. Brother Bram said that's the front lines. That's where all the action is, right there. Because Satan's attacking you right there and you meet him right there. That's, that's what we call the front lines, right? The front lines is not back in the supply depot. The front lines is not back where the hospital is. The front lines is not back where the commanders sit and drink coffee and scratch on maps. That's not the front line. The front line is when the enemy is here and you're here and you're face to face one with another. That's the front line. See what he's saying? That's the, there's the battle. That's the front line. And he said, we'll meet him right there with God said so. That sets a stream to you. I believe that. I'm glad we got that. Because when we do that, every channel, and God's got a lot of channels. God's got a lot of pipelines. God's got a lot of resources to send to the bride of Christ. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, it's all mine. What are we playing? I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest, and I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep for the wild. in my Jesus I'm safe evermore sing that again that's good oh I have anchored my soul in the haven of rest been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Yes, we've been
generation. We're the culmination, the final voice. are not given to us just to fill up sermons, but Lord, they are given to us to fill up our hearts and our minds, so that Lord, every channel comes open to you. Every channel, Lord, is reserved for you. Father, may every inlet in our life be clean, sanctified, that the Word of God can flow to us, and Lord, we can reflect the character of Christ out from us. Have your way, we pray. Bless the people in the balance of our week, Lord. And Father, I'm laying my hand again on this list of prayer requests. And Lord, every, every person here, Lord, every saint that's precious to our hearts, Lord, they're going through a need and a struggling, Lord, in different ways, and I commit them into your hands. Bless our families and guide us in your perfect will in all of our decisions. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. And all the brides said... Amen. I'm going to put my armor on. God bless you tonight. Sing it as you go. Shake hands with one another and say, I'm grateful I got to come to church tonight. I'm going to put my armor on.
I've been sitting on my circumstance. 